Hello, everybody on the inter internet. Hello, everybody on the internet. This is the Anime Over Analyst here, coming at you with a Promised Neverland blind review. So, the other day, I decided to pick up the Promised Neverland. Uh, in the past, I've read, I've actually seen the anime, and I really enjoyed the anime. So I thought I'd pick up the manga. So this review will be over the chapters 1 through 37 of the manga, which covers the entire uh, first season of the anime. So uh, before I begin, uh, as you can tell, I'm recording this on a uh, Corsair headset microphone. Obviously, the recording is going to be pretty bad. So, since I'm a small channel just starting out, I decided to make a goal of 100 subscribers, and basically, if I get 100 subscribers, I will purchase an actual decent microphone. But until then, I'm just going to record off of this, because uh, I don't want to invest into something that's not going to grow. So, uh... Without any further ado, I'm just going to start talking about The Promised Neverland. So, to begin with, I want to talk about the protagonists. We've got what I call the big three, which are Emma, Ray, and Norman. Uh, so, in, the, in this chapter, or in, in these uh, chapters, chapters 1 through 37... We really get to delve into the relationships between these three. We've got Emma as what appears to be our main shonen protagonist. We've got Ray being the uh, he's kind of the, the version I read said that he's the encyclopedia of the group, which kind of makes sense. He just knows everything. And then there's Norman, the tactician. And uh, I guess back to Emma, she's the Braun, she's the kind of the soul of the uh, of the group, even though in a way Norman is that too. So, uh, of of the three, my complete favorite is hands down Emma. I really love her character in in this uh, in the in the manga, even even in the anime. I just she's turned out to be one of my favorite uh, protagonists of anime uh, the th cool thing about Emma is that it's she's strong she's got this uh, this strength about her where she's got that uh, shonen protagonist never give up mentality but there's also how do I put it there's a lot of warmth to her character there's i get i get yeah yeah uh next is uh my next favorite is going to be norman norman of course is i think the pillar of support in this in uh, of the entire three um as you all know, uh, I'm assuming that since you've clicked on this video that you'll, you're fully aware of spoilers and everything. Uh, Norman gave himself up 
to uh, the demons in order to make sure that uh, Emma and Ray uh, stay alive. And that's quite admirable, to be honest. Um, I'm really... I really do like Norman in that aspect, and I've got a couple of theories about his character that um, I'll go into later on into this video. So that's kind of the quick rundown of Norman. And then finally we have Ray, who is the brainiac of the group, I suppose. Although, in a way, they're all really quite intelligent. I mean... They'd have to be, according to the plot, you know, and I really haven't seen anything too much to differ. I do think Emma is a little bit more on the stupid side, but she's the she's a shonen protagonist. They're all usually pretty much on the stupid side. Um, anyway, uh, Ray... I, I do like Ray. I like kind of like his character developments of just like how much he cares about his friends actually i swear of the of the big three he's probably the one that goes through the most character development in this entire arc he's the one who uh you know would spy spy on them for a uh, mama and yet He's kind of, kind of throughout the entire uh, arc, he kind of starts to realize how much he cares about his friends. Uh, so, in a way, yeah, those are, uh, yeah, those are the three main characters. Next, I've got listed down. Uh, I've, I've actually wrote a whole bunch of notes here. Uh, the camera couldn't pick it up too well, but I've got what I call secondary kill characters uh they are uh for me they are don and gilda these are the two older siblings that haven't been shipped off yet that uh the big three uh looped into the escape attempts like midway through the arc uh of the two don's my favorite he's got so much energy about him and i just love his personality where it's just kind of he kind of like the he, he's the character that just does he just wants to do he just does he's kind of like emma in that aspect honestly uh gilda is also a really cool character however so far i really haven't seen too much about her um, she did have a really cool moment when uh, she was talking to Sister Crone, and she flat out refused to tell her anything, which was quite astounding. Uh, you know, coming from a character who doesn't look like much, doesn't really talk like much, but and she's not really there throughout the most of the uh, arc. I I really I really like that. So. Uh, I do have some honorary characters that I do want to mention, but before that, uh, why don't I talk about the antagonists? So, of course, with the antagonists, we have uh, Isabella, who is the mother of the house. You know, she's the caretaker of all the children, and whenever she's told to ship them out, she ships them out. So, uh, 
her character throughout this and the entire arc is also really quite fascinating i love how unique it is because it's not like it's not like the final boss type character that a lot of shonen have you know where at the end of the arc they fight the uh, final boss no she's the type of villain that it, she's a and incredibly intelligent and b she's the type of character that has underlying motives that i don't even think anybody really understands um, and i'll probably go more into that a little bit later finally uh okay actually not finally the next antagonist is sister crone sister crone okay i'm gonna be real honest here Sister Crone's drawn kind of weird, and I think that's the point. Like, her art style is just really disturbing, and I remember in the anime, there were several scenes with her playing with, like, a uh, like a teddy bear that had, like, maybe one eye. Um, it was, like, button eyes, if I remember correctly. In the manga, the teddy bear is non-existent. It's not even there. So that's that's a really quite interesting uh, kind of flip. So there's that. The character of Sister Crone, however, I kind of went on a tangent. The character is also actually kind of quite fascinating. She's uh, she's intelligent. But not in, like, the Isabella-type way. In a way, Crone, Crone just got the crappy hand in life. Where she just kind of did the best of what she could do. And the way that she went about the, uh, the arc where she just... She sides with the kids and hopes to kind of, like, take advantage of them but instead they take advantage of her i guess i could kind of see that as the kids outsmarting her uh but really sister crone was there as a way for the kids to outsmart isabella and isabella to outsmart the kids and nothing is more apparent than that then in the chapter, I think it was either 34 or 35. I, that's the one I don't have written down in my notes. I, Yeah. Um, but I think it's 35. Uh, it's the chapter where the kids listen in to the conversation with Norma, Norman and Emma when they're talking to Sister Crone. You know, and they're... Uh, they're asking questions like where's the uh where's the chip you know it's behind the left ear uh where's you know where are we have you ever been to the outside world this and that and that was very fascinating because it it the way they manipulated sister crone was that they had all the attention focused on them and no one actually paid attention to the kids 
to the actual like six-year-olds and you know around that age and that was you know that type of manipulation is so interesting uh the whole arc is just kind of like uh it was like death note you know it's light yakami versus l how are they going to use the people around them to uh manipulate each other it's like indirect warfare and uh the and sister crone was the she she was the centerpiece to the indirect warfare and in a way uh mama thought that she got the upper hand when she got rid of sister crown because then she got rid of the indirect warfare and she just went straight to direct warfare and that i mean it it really did take you know the big three off guard um and you know in a way that's how norman had to give up his give up himself um so that's my little piece on Sister Crone. I didn't expect to be talking so much about her, but the more I thought about it, uh, just, just how fascinating she is, not as a character for herself, but just as a centerpiece for the two main forces, you know, the big three versus the mama, you know, how she is used as, you know, a centerpiece between the two. So, uh, the other antagonists, of course, I call them indirect because, uh, the big three never actually come into direct contact with them. There's Grandmother, who is in charge of the entire plantation, from what I've gathered from. Uh, you know, she's the one that Mama and Sister Crone, uh, reports to. Then there's also, of course, the Demons. And of course, there's that big like king demon without without a name. We without a name, or the name is like really weird. I don't quite understand uh, his name, so I'm just gonna call him King Demon because I literally don't understand how you know how to call, what to call him. And so they're they're of course indirect and. The reason why they're indirect, of course, is because they don't want to scare off the children. Uh, you know, so, uh, Ray pointed out that the reason they've never came into contact is because a healthy child is one that lives without fear, which is why this entire plantation is built off of, you know, love and education, which is really quite fascinating. So, uh, those are kind of the main characters. I do have some honorary characters, though, that I do want to mention. There's what I call the Mystery Man, uh, W.M. He's the one that's uh, been sending notes through books uh, via Morse code on his uh, emblem, which is really cool. He's also the one that was talking to the demon, and he dropped a pin for for a uh, sister crone to pick up and i've got a couple theories about that that i'm gonna talk about at the end of this review so there's him there's also uh let's see now i have bonnie 
she's kind of like catalyst that started off this entire uh yeah this entire story she's the one who uh quote unquote uh lost her uh rabbit her doll uh she left it behind and emma noticed it and uh took off after her which they later pointed out that uh that was intentionally placed by ray and that Ray would have pointed it out to Emma if she hadn't noticed it first. And the entire point was that Ray wanted Emma and Norman to see the demons, which is a really cool play on his part. So, uh, you know, may she rest in peace. That that whole imagery of you know the uh, rose sticking out of out of her is so graphic and so haunting. And, you know, it's in the first chapter, which is, which I'm going to also talk about at some point, because I think the first chapter itself is a masterpiece. Um, Next person that I'm going to just briefly uh, mention is Leslie. He's the person that came up with uh, Isabel's lullaby. You know, he's the one that she liked and kind of was the catalyst to, yeah, just the the chain of lullabies. And in a way, he's her anchor, if anything. I mean, he's really just a plot piece. You know, he's just like a person that she is really uh, connected to. So... Um, I don't have very much else to say, but I just wanted to give him an honorable mention. The last person I do want to talk about, though, is probably the entire MVP of the arc. And that's my little boy, Phil. Phil is so adorable. He's this four-year-old kid who is on on his way to being like Emma, Ray, and Norman. He is so intelligent. You know, the arc shows him how he's, you know, getting better and better scores on these tests that they're taking just as the days progress. And um, having seen the anime, I already uh, knew that what Phil does. However, rereading it through the manga, it's still just quite amazing how little points I could literally see how Phil starts putting pieces together. And, you know, it, it's, it was so fascinating, you know, you know, when he was there and with Emma, when Sister Crone goes up and says, hey, are you waiting for the harvesting? And, you know, Phil gets a clue. And so he kind of does his own little investigation, which is so amazing. And then, uh, finally, when they come out to him, when uh, Ray and Emma come out to him, or I think it was Norma and, and Emma, regardless, whenever they come out to him and be like, you know, there are demons, they're trying to kill everyone, he's like, oh, so that's what's going on. And that that literally kind of took me by surprise. You know, you got this four-year-old kid who, he's... Hell, I even think he's smarter than me. He he eats, he he knows what's going on, and he's not afraid of it. And then the best moment of the arc is when they tell him, 
you know, hey, we've, uh, you know, we're not sure what to do. Uh, we can't take everybody. And he literally says, I'll wait for you guys here. So just leave me behind. The, the, in the manga, it's like a single panel and, of just him staring straight up at us, the reader. It's like he's not even telling just Norman. Or he's not just telling Emma. He, it's, he's telling us, the reader, leave me behind. I will fend the fort. As a four-year-old, like, that just blows my mind. He's such a cool character. And um, when I start talking about my theories, I also have a really good theory about him uh, that I want to get into. So uh, this is going to wrap up my section about the characters. My next one is just I'm going to be talking about some uh, kind of random points that I had thought of. And then I'm going to conclude this review with some theories that I have. So... Here's uh, just some points that I thought of as I was um, taking notes. The first is it's just all about chapter one. Chapter one is like 52 pages of pure beauty. Uh, I went, I read that and I just couldn't stop go reading. I just like I just kept on going. The art is amazing. Just as a side note, I've read all of Berserk. Up, up to where it currently is. I think this is better than the first chapter of Berserk, personally. The first chapter of Berserk, and even some po some points throughout Berserk, I have no idea what's going on. Yes, the art is fantastic. And with, with Berserk, with the images that, are, that I can really understand what's happening, they hit so much harder than, you know, all the art in uh, The Promised Neverland. However, in The Promised Neverland, I knew what was happening the entire time. I could, you know, and the art was on point. Like, I, uh, there's nothing else that I could say. I think I like the first chapter of Promised Neverland more than I like the first chapter of Berserk. Um, or even, like, probably even better than One Piece, honestly. Like, I haven't... I can't think of a first chapter that I liked more than the first chapter of The Promised Neverland. I loved the pacing. I loved the mystery that they kind of set up, where they 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 set it up, where there's like, okay, you, you know, you live in an orphanage and it's all nice. And you kind of get the mindset of the kids where you're reading it and you're like, something's kind of going on, but you don't know what. And I actually think they did this better in the manga than in the anime. And I love the first episode of the anime. Um, in, in the manga, or in the anime, they start off with a scene with uh, Emma, Norman, and Ray just standing at the gates. And they're just looking through. Um, and I think in the anime, that helps build just the more mysterious aspect of of the uh of the orphanage because they're the first thing you see is why is there a gate however in the manga it's 
literally Emma waking up, saying hi to all of her siblings, and just, you know, her daily routine. And I love that aspect, because I'm you're looking through Emma's eyes, and you can see how you don't... You don't even think something's going on, honestly. Like, I'm reading it, and I'm like, I know, I know what happens. And, you know, I'm, because I saw the anime first. But I I was just reading it, and it's like, I can understand why none of the kids questioned everything. Because there's nothing to question. Up until they show the flashback of the gate, and then uh, the whole uh, advent, the whole you know, going out and seeing what or following Connie or Bonnie. I, I don't remember her name too well. Um, and that, you know, that whole buildup, I think, paid off a whole lot better because the, uh, the whole demon thing, it just kind of came out of nowhere. It still kind of came out of nowhere in the anime, to be fair. you In the anime, you're kind of like, something's going on, but we don't know what. And the manga, it straight up came out of nowhere. Like, you're kind of sitting there, it's like, oh, we're following Isabella. You know, what? we're going to go meet. Uh Oh, you know, oh no, Bonnie's dead. What the heck's happened? Oh no, there's demons. Oh no, they want to eat the kids. What the heck is going on? And so I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, let's see now. What else do I want to talk about? So uh, I'm going to kind of skip forward through most of the beginning of the first arc. Um, if you've seen the anime, you know what essentially happens. And I don't feel like repeating the plot points. I just kind of want to repeat how the uh, manga made me feel. Which, you know, even, even as I was reading, I couldn't stop. It's like the entire the entire arc is wonderfully paced. Um, even though it's a slow pace, it's still... I, I still like the fact that it's slow paced. Because you get to see how, you know, everybody's mindset is. You know, you the whole duality of, you know, oh, there's a spy. Okay, how can we use red... Well, first of all, we gotta find the spy. You know, okay, how are we going to find the spy? Oh, let's just incorporate it, the uh, two other older children, you know, Gilda and Don. And so, you know, we'll, t- we'll lie to them, but maybe they'll uh, tell us if they're a spy. Oh, it actually turned out to be Ray, because Norman was 3D, 4D chess, chess gaming this entire thing. And he's like, gee, I wonder if it's Ray. And he literally picked it up with the whole uh, line when uh, Ray says, I want to get you two safe. uh, Because he wasn't including himself. So, you know, that, the whole mind games. And like how I said earlier with Sister Crone, how they used Sister Crone and even the other children as indirect warfare towards uh, Mama, towards Isabella fantastic i love i love the aspect of the indirect warfare uh so there's uh there is that what i really want to cover is chapter 29 and 30 specifically 
these are the chapters where uh, Norman leaves to his death, supposedly. Um, so, chapter 29, he uh, Norman comes back and starts telling uh, Ray and Emma all about, you know, what he saw on top of the wall while he was investigating the wall. What's so fascinating about this chapter is that at the end he's like you know it i've got to go like I've, i'm not giving up and you know there are, uh emma and ray are arguing with him we were like there there's so many things we could do i mean you could you know you could uh you could just take your tracker off and you could escape or whatnot and he's like no no i've got to go and so he's he and mama leaves and emma like literally as a last ditch effort literally tries to erase the ear thing and tell him to run and he norman as like the cool pillar that he is i don't know what to call him i really don't um he stops emma hide he manages to hide the device and he goes and walks off and i think that scene hit me so hard i had literally had to stop reading for like 15 minutes because i just couldn't stop crying it was it was so emotional and i was like okay it's over he's going off towards his death let's move on and then we get chapter 30 which is all about uh <laughs> norman going through that entire scene of him leaving again and that hit so much harder. It, it was like a, like a secondary punch. Like chapter 30 was the first punch. Or chapter 29 was the first punch. And then chapter 30 was the second punch that made everything so much worse. So, yeah. I, I haven't felt like that in a long time. Like just the way that you know reading that and it just felt like a train wreck i think chapter 30 was more the chapter with how uh emma tried disarming norman and whatnot but regardless it was fantastic you know it was kind of like all in his mindset so uh that's kind of when i wanted to talk about chapter 30 uh I think that's, yeah, that's it for uh, the points that I really wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, of course, the escape goes off without a hitch. Um, you know, we, we, we see them escape and how they manage to get across the uh, abyss, which is, you know, pretty genius. Um, and how Emma navigates all that while still feeling dead inside so you know that's pretty that's pretty cool but i've seen the anime so i don't really want care to talk much about that last piece so this final section of uh, sorry i bumped my mic uh the final section of this video is going to be about uh theories that i have i've currently got uh four theories uh, one is kind of more along the lines of the pen and who the mystery man, uh, W.M. is. 
So, uh, yeah, that's one theory. Uh, the second theory that I have is that Norman isn't dead. And I'll go into that a little bit. My third theory is that Phil will not die in the future. And I've got a kind of cool ideas what I think he will do. And uh, my last theory is that Isabella will die. So, uh, to start off with, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the pen. that, uh, Specifically the pen that... Uh, W.M. leaves with Sister Crown. So, in the pen, she uh, opens it up. Well, first of all, it said there's the initials W.M. There's no dot on the other hand, so I don't know if, you know, that's important or not. It's just, uh, you know, W.M. So, that's just kind of something that I picked up on. Uh, the pen... She opens the pen up, and inside says B06-32, and then uh, I don't know if that number 32 continues on, because she's got the casing overlapping, like just, uh, just past 32. So, from what I have here, this is chapter 23, mind you, uh, I have a guess that that's a, it's a date, so, I don't know what B stands for. That's kind of out there. But I'm guessing June 2032. Because June's the sixth month. And uh, the current year is supposed to be like 2050. Um, supposedly 2050. I do think that it's actually further than that, to be honest. Um, the last publication was from 2015. But... Nothing's to stop them from, like, lying about the time and, like, either pushing it ahead or keeping it behind. Like, there's, if if you think about it, you know, we don't really know how long this farm system really has been going on. They can repeat. They could be like, okay, no one's, no child's been alive since 2020. So, and let's say currently it's 2040. So, next year, let's say it's 2021, and even though it's 2041, let's just say it's 2021, and so the kids will believe that they're really in 2021, even though it's 2041, and they could repeat the process. That's kind of my thinking about it, um, so I don't, I, I don't trust the dates that they're giving us until I get some hard fact from somebody in the outside world this is the exact year 2050 i'm holding my breath on the date and maybe b just means this is the second iteration uh yeah iteration that they're using the span of like 2020 to maybe 2050 maybe i don't yeah the b i really have no idea what the b is so that's my first theory, is that the pen's in reference to a date. My second theory that I said was that Norman isn't dead. Um, the only evidence well, that I have about this, besides just the fact that I really don't want him to die, like I really, really deep, deep down don't want him to die, the only evidence that I can really point out is that in chapter 30, 
when Mama and uh, Norman are, they they have entered the the gate, and uh, Mama points to Norman. Norman, she's like, okay, just go through there. Well, um, I guess two things. Now that I think about it, first thing is they didn't just kill him right there in the gate like they did with Connie. You know, they killed her inside of a truck. So they didn't do that with him. She was just like, just go through this door. However, the second thing that uh, I noticed was there's a panel. In fact, the very last panel of that scene is um, it shows Norman with a... Well, before it, it, Norman says, what? And then the panel shows him with like a confused look and Mama's frowning. But like it, it cuts off her eyes. It's it's only her mouth and it's in a frown, kind of like this was not expected. So I don't think Norman's dead. It is possible that the person WM may have been there because he's had contact with the demons. It's possible that he was there and maybe picked up Norman. I don't know. Um, I that's. I just refuse to think that she, he's dead because uh, even though Mama does come back later and she straight up tells Emma he's dead, I don't buy that at all. Um, even though, yeah, because I think at that time she was trying to convince Emma to become a Mama, which failed because Emma is like, heck no. Um, so... Yeah, that's my Norman isn't dead theory, and I might actually make a separate vi I might make a separate video for all of these, depending on, you know, how this video goes or just how I feel. Honestly, I'm just making videos because I want to. So, uh, the next thing that I want to talk about is that uh, I don't think Phil will die. So, he's four years old. They didn't really say when he was born, but I don't think that matters. Um, I just know that he's about roughly four years old. Uh, like I said earlier, Phil is like the rising star. He's going to be like the next Norman uh, Emma Ray. You know, he's that intelligent. So, I think there's two... There's a couple of reasons why he's not going to die, and I think there's mainly two. One, he's too good. He's high quality. They don't want him to – they don't want to kill him until he's at least 12. That's my theory. They don't want to kill him until that. They're, uh, now that they've lost their prize, their quote-unquote quote one of their two bests, you know, Norman and uh, – sorry, uh, Emma and Ray. So, yeah, I don't think he will die. My second theory with uh, Phil is that due to the fact that he's not going to die, I think he's also going to try and find a way to escape. Either escape or communicate with the other plantations. Um, so far, I don't think that Mama has a clue about him. She might. She might, now that she she knows that he's the smartest of the group of kids now, so she might be keeping her eyes on it. However, due to uh, my next theory, I don't think that's going to be a factor. 
because, you know, my last theory that I want to talk about is that I don't think, uh, I don't think Isabella is going to survive. Uh, they've kind of hinted at the fact that she screwed up big time. She, I'm sorry, she let the, she literally, she let 15 children escape. And not only did she do that, she removed the evidence of where they escaped. She took the rope down and hid it. And I think that in itself is the admittance of they're going to kill me. They're going to replace me and they're going to they're going to do away with me. And so uh that that is my current theory that she yeah, she's she's not going to survive. And due to that, she's going to get replaced. And due to that replacement, whoever is in charge may not be paying attention to Phil. Or they might. Maybe maybe they'll be like, okay, the last bunch escaped because they're, they're extreme brainiacs. What's the chances they told Phil? Huh, probably a big chance. So we're going to keep our eyes on Phil. It's a possible. It's possible, but... Uh, I'm going to keep that in mind. And it's also uh, possible that whoever replaces Isabella won't run the farm like she did. It, it might be more of like a tyranny than like an embraced loving thing. The kids might be literally living in fear. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of my guess. Um, however, I don't really know much about that. So... Uh, that would like that was my last theory and i think that concludes yeah that's going to conclude uh this uh review of the promised neverland chapters uh 1 through 37 oh now that i think about it uh i do want to talk about the two comics that were in here uh i do believe they're canon uh, one of them I know for sure was in the anime. It was a comic of uh, when uh, it was like when uh, Norman, Ray, and Emma were about six years old, and Norman got sick with the flu, and so you know Emma fought her way to try and talk to him, and eventually they uh, she was able to give him like a can. And with the string attached and, you know, the whole old telephone game where, like, he talks to the can and she can listen on the other end. That aspect. So, uh, yeah, I do think that's canon. I don't know if that has any more significance. I feel like they made more significance to it in the anime, but I straight up don't remember it. Um, the other comic was, uh... Sister Crone, when she was a child, she made the, uh, the paper, uh, the Chinese lanterns. You know, they made Chinese lanterns and attached letters to them and then sent them off in hopes that, you know, somebody would reply back to them, which no one ever did. Duh. However, someone picked it up and was like, huh, I, uh, uh, Letters written by kids. And then walked away. 
And, I mean, I think that's my mystery man, WM. Uh, however, I don't have anything else based off of that. Um, I just, that's just kind of the theory that's going around in my head is that, uh, yeah, that's the mystery man who maybe that was his first hint that something was going on with these farms. It's possible. I really don't know. So, uh, that's going to conclude this video. Um, like I've said earlier, if I get 100 subs, I will actually purchase a decent mic. Um, and, you know, if I get any more, I might actually try to purchase, purchase a decent camera. I don't know, I'm using a nice webcam, and I think it's doing pretty decently. Um, so, for now, I've been the Anime Over Analyst, and I'll catch you guys later in the next video. Peace.